This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hi, Natalie. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. I've never, so, ever done one of these before, and my face is extremely close to this, uh, to this camera. I need to sort myself out. <laughs> no I only had no idea you could do this. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really awesome. Last week I had someone too. It was their first uh, Instagram live as well. So I guess I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> helping everyone go live. And it's, uh, it's been really awesome. And it's a cool way to connect, I think, with, you know, both my audience and your audience and, and digging deeper into your story. So thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I just realized I've wasted all this time trying to create a podcast when I could have just been doing this. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've been doing. But I mean, the audio isn't as good as if you were just doing your recordings with your microphone. How is the podcast going, by the way? I've I've been really enjoying seeing it and seeing that you took it over. How did that happen? Um, I, I guess a long story short is so I initially started the podcast as a means of educating our community. You know, I guess it was, uh, I think what we do really well as a strength conditioning facility is we, we look after the training side of things. Um, but what we weren't really covering was the lifestyle, the wellness, you know, all the other important parts that, that contribute to someone improving at life. And so the podcast was a way to provide more education to people, to have conversations on things that they probably don't get access to, you know, in the one hour a day that they spend with us. And so that's how it started. And, and when I say it was a podcast, it really wasn't a podcast. It was me on YouTube <laughs> just talking. And I just I called it a podcast. So no, it was more like a, a weekly video of just sharing education. Um, and then you know, a couple of my coaches who I'd interviewed a few times on that, you know, expressed an interest and wanted to take it over. And you know, they wanted some ownership and something, and they could see that they had. I mean, they both had a quite unique skill set where they were good at asking questions and good speakers. They wanted to challenge the public speaking. So I guess I just kind of empowered them to say, "Yeah, go ahead, take it on." Uh, I had a lot on my plate at the time as well. So I was kind of struggling to keep up the weekly commitment. Um, but, you know, like a lot of things is that, you know, realized that that wasn't actually something they were very passionate about. And it kind of started to die off a little bit, unfortunately. And it was at a time where I had managed to create a bit more space in my calendar to, to kind of push the business forward. And I've always loved sharing education. And I think that's, you know, one of the main reasons I love Instagram. And I kind of saw it as a unique opportunity for me to then kind of take it back over uh, but kind of take it a step further. So, you know, wanted to have a mission, wanted to have a brand, wanted to have its own identity, uh, wanted to have purpose with it. And so, yeah, that's really why why I took it in. But just just kind of serendipitous in terms of timing um, and coincidences. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think people don't realize the amount of work that goes into editing the podcast and cutting things in and out, and almost like if you record in one hour video or one hour interview on your podcast all of a sudden you're re-watching it and trying to you know go back over all the words and it's it's not a short process at all yeah and I think um I, I'm lucky to, to have some friends who are in the in the podcast game and have been there for a while so before I kind of took on the challenge I uh, I made sure I reached out to those people and tried to understand exactly what I was getting into and they were really really helpful in terms of kind of giving me some some tips and strategies on how to really grow a podcast without it consuming you know five six hours a week for the sake of a one-hour episode so you know spent a lot of time kind of putting those pieces in place and didn't start the podcast until I felt like okay 
we're ready to go and when we, and when we go we're going to be super efficient with it so so far it's working great and i'm still really passionate and fired up about it and really and have some cool things lined up in the future um so yeah just very very fortunate to be in a position to be able to do it awesome i love that so if anyone is tuning in and they don't know what his podcast is it's live perform compete am i correct correct awesome yeah, yeah, we have all our all our episodes on um, on all podcast platforms, and we put it on YouTube as well. So if you're more of a visual listener and you prefer to watch the interview go down, then we'll stick that. And and I think our YouTube channel is uh, Live Perform Compete as well. Awesome, that's great. So yeah, if anyone's tuning in, uh, this is Ed Haynes. He's in Hong Kong, and I'm here in Ottawa, Canada. So we have a 12 hour time difference here. And uh, yeah, you're the owner of Coastal Fitness as well as a coach. You coach your brother um, who, who made it to the CrossFit Games last year. Like we said, you have a podcast and you have earned Athletic, your, your new clothing brand. So I'd love, I want to dive into like some of your mindset and your story, as well as um, your business endeavors. But I think what, what will be cool for people if they want to submit questions for later is I did get a few uh, fitness related questions when I posted up the questions thing a couple days ago. And so I wanted to, um, I didn't write, I wrote a couple of them down and I want to save those to the end. So if people want to submit those throughout, then let's put those at the end. Cause I really want to dive into your story and, and your mindset first. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so I saw that you, you were on the, the Hong Kong national team for rugby. I'd love to know like how you got to there and then how that transformed into getting into fitness. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So I, um, I, I'm born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, which is, you know, a very tiny, tiny, tiny part of the world. We're a dot on the map, uh, but we have a massive population for how small we are. Um, there's a big expat community, community here. So my dad's English. He moved over, moved over here with work, met my mother, and I came along. And, you know, I think from a very early age was instilled and introduced to sport, uh, but just all sports. Uh, and, you know, from a very young age was involved in football, which you'd probably call soccer, uh, soccer and rugby being my two main sports, but, you know, had a real love for the water, for tennis, for endurance events and, you know, everything. Anyway, I eventually started pursuing soccer and rugby as my two main sports, got to university time and, and really had to make a choice between two. Kind of had the passion uh, to pursue a sport professionally. And I kind of had a vision of myself being a professional athlete the whole time as a kid, like a lot of kids do. <laughs> Um, and I guess had a bit of talent in those two sports. And and for me at Hong, in Hong Kong at the time, there was just an, an easier, and I will say it was easier, an easy, easier trajectory from being like a good youth athlete to making it to the top of the sport. Um, at the time, you know, there, there wasn't as big a pool of people playing rugby. Um, it wasn't a professional sport at the time just yet. But, you know, I was already at that point, you know, captain of the, of the youth teams all the way through was you know in the academy system which are they're kind of creating and building up the future generations of players and football was a bit more political uh because you know it's it's much more of a local game here it was just hard to get in even though i think kind of my love was really for football so you know was went away to university came back still with the ambitions to be a professional athlete um was that realized that dream quite soon because professional contracts had just started at hong kong at that time so i was about 20 years old and kind of throughout my university time was in contact with the national team here and you know coming back and playing games when I was whenever I was on university holidays had a had a year out and was able to kind of like build some experience there um 
And so, yeah, you know, eventually became a professional athlete. Um, but, you know, kind of throughout this time, I was plagued with injuries. I had no injuries up until pretty much the age of 18. And, and I got to university and I dislocated my right shoulder playing rugby game. And that just kind of was a cascade of a ton of injuries. I ended up, long story short, but I've had four full reconstructions on both shoulders. Uh, so that's wow. two on each. Uh, tore my ACL. Uh, and, M and MCL meniscus, like a complete blowout of the knee, <clears throat> which ended up being an additional three operations. Uh, broken lots of bones in my body. And I think, you know, I was, as I entered the professional era, was already not at the physical peak that I knew I could be at. I, was, I kind of had the psychological issue of, of not being able to fully commit myself to the game like I wanted to. And so pretty quickly after starting graduating uni, and I'm, when I say quickly, I mean, within six months, I was already thinking of like, well, what's next? Like, what is the, right. what is the next step? Because if I, can't, if I can't continue to do this, then I need to have something else that I want to do. So kind of to caveat this, my entire, I, I first found the gym when I was 15 years old. And that was predominantly through rugby. I was introduced to it. Uh, but Hong Kong, you're kind of like a big fish in a small pond. So if you have natural talent, regardless of what your physical capacity is like, there isn't really the need to develop yourself to be a physical athlete. Right. But it was something that I took on myself. <clears throat> Definitely had small man syndrome as a kid. You know, I was a late <laughs> bloomer in life, um, playing a very macho masculine sport and didn't have the, like, the physical presence that a lot of my friends and my, and my other athletes do. So my dad bought me my first bench press and dumbbell set for my room when I was 14 years old. And I basically just started self-guiding my own training journey. And became very very obsessed with it like really sport and exercise is the only thing I've really ever cared about struggled in academics and school except for physical education and PE <laughs> so you know I've always had a love for training and what I started to realize is I started to accumulate these injuries as an athlete obviously you know when you have a pretty catastrophic injury and a surgery you go through a big rehabilitation process to get you back to the point where you can play again and I ended up just going through the same process every time. I, was, I had a really great strength and conditioning coach with the Hong Kong national team who I really respected and I thought was very intelligent. So he was, I was a bit of a sponge with him. I ended up spending a lot of time in the gym, in the rehab center with the physios, learning about my body. And I think just vicariously through that, I became very knowledgeable on shoulders and knees and rehabilitation and even like the emotional psychological side of it because I was having to go through it every time. And so through this process, I started to realize that I actually had a, a real love and passion for training that actually started to overtake my passion for being an athlete. So the competitive side became less and less attractive to me and the training side became more and more attractive. <clears throat> and so, you know, at university, I would write training programs for all my rugby teammates. I'd write it for my housemates. I'd write it for my mom. I'd write it for my sister. And then, you know, this happens after university and I just, I, I had, the story is I had a friend of mine who was one of my teammates who decided one day to become a personal trainer. And okay. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. No one's really doing that. And, you know, this is 12 years ago now. He's a, you know, very similar position to myself as a professional rugby player, but decided to take us on. And I was watching him like work with people and train with people. And he invited to train me at his personal, one of the personal training shows he was renting out at the time. Had a great session, but just sat there and watched him interact coach train people or watch other coaches train people and i was like this is amazing this is like a combination of everything that i'm passionate about coaching helping people and i get to train i get to live and breathe fitness 
And it was literally, I went home that day and told my parents, I'm going to become a coach. Like that would be a personal training. That's what I want to do. And then, you know, had the decision to make, am I going to join, you know, a big commercial gym and work my way up the ladder or ranks or, you know, do I just go at it alone? And I don't know why I decided to go out alone, but I decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this on myself. I need a challenge. I need an adventure. And I think because I'd seen him do it himself as well. And that was where I created Coastal Fitness, you know, just a six month graduate outside of outside of university. Rather than just starting coaching, I set up a company. I built a website. Um, and I learned more in that six months about life than I'd had done in four years of university. And uh, that is a very long answered, long <laughs> answer to probably what is a simple question. But, you know, it really got to a point where coaching people my, and, and my business of my business of, as a coaching organization, but just helping people became just like my passion that overtook rugby and rugby became a burden. Actually, you know, rugby right. was taken away from my ability to grow my business. It was taken away from my ability to be the best coach I could be. I continued to get injuries and would be coaching people on a sling or on crutches and not being able to give them the value that I wanted to give them. And, you know, it just, I arrived at the, the, the time where it was first of, at first I stopped playing for the national team because that was just too big a commitment that I wasn't doing anything. Optimally. I wasn't being the best rugby player I could be. I wasn't being the best coaching business owner I could be because I just had too much on my plate. So right. stopped the national team and continued to play in, in the, the, the top division here in Hong Kong. Um, and then even that got to a point where actually this is still taken away from what I see this could be or what I could be as a coach. And so, you know, I made the decision to stop doing that at 26. So, you know, I'm 32 now. So that was, you know, probably the best decision I've ever made where I could just go all in with my business and developing myself as a coach. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I think that people who are so passionate about different things, they always seem to go through that whole process where it's like all of a sudden they put so much on their plate that they they realize or they have this this struggle where they can't go all in on, on one thing. And I know, you know, for me, when I was growing up, I had to pick between hockey and snowboarding. And um, when I had to make that decision, I decided, okay, I'll just play a lower level of competitive hockey. So I had some days to go snowboarding. And then I realized like I then I'm not all in on, on any of them. It wasn't mm. fun for me unless I'm doing each to the highest. So then it kind of transitioned. And then the same thing with, um, you know, CrossFit and business and, and transitioning into, uh, into my business. Do you, what's the value for you of going all in onto something? Like if someone is kind of worried and they have all these different passions, what would you tell them to inspire them that they should maybe go all in on one thing? I mean, it's, it's hard because I think we're all just wired differently. You know, some people like to be, like to be the jack of all trades. They like to have their hands in a hundred different pies and, and that like that motivates them, that drives them. Uh, for me, like I've always just wanted to be the best at something. Right. And, you know, at a young age, that was sport. And then, you know, as I became a coach, like I genuinely wanted to be the best coach in Hong Kong. Uh, that was my dream. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't able to articulate it and say it the way that I can say it now, but there was like something in me that was just continuing to drive me. And then I wanted my coaching organization to be the best business in Hong Kong. Then I wanted to be the best coaching organization in Asia. You know, then I wanted to like work with the best athletes. When I realized there was a dream at some point that I wanted to be the best CrossFit athlete that I could be until I realized that I just didn't have what it take and, takes. And I, you know, I, I stepped away from that game and focused a bit more on coaching, but you know, 
like I still have dreams to run the best coaching organization like in the world um and yeah, like you know yeah you know I don't know I don't know where that comes from or where it is you know I can I certainly look at my parents and I can see a lot of that in them um I don't think they brought me up to necessarily think like that but I think you just emulate your environment that you're that you're brought up in and um you know I just but it's it's definitely not for everyone you know I think having like a really one-track mind with something means that there's a, a lot of sacrifice that you have to make in other parts of your life and and I think when you have reasoning and purpose to pursue something it's easy to make those sacrifices but it's when you don't have the purpose and when you don't have reason you don't have a why that you know most people kind of look at me and think that is they think I'm insane or they think I'm crazy <laughs> for doing what I do um so yeah I just think you know you just have to you have to find your passion and you have to have purpose and if those two things align and the timing is right then like and and, and you're that type of person that wants to pursue that then like then do it because it, it's amazing what, what the journey will hold but yeah it's it, yeah. not many people have that I think you're totally right and I think balance looks different for everyone whether they're like you said someone who has their hands in all these different pots or you know like yourself who might have a one-track mind have those goals and from the outside looking in people are like wow that's crazy he might have no balance but for you you know different things have different priorities and that's what balance might look like to you yeah for sure I mean balance for me is is allowing me to do the things that I care the most about to the best of my ability and balance for me isn't necessarily like spending a Friday and Saturday night with the boys anymore because that doesn't contribute to success and what I want to be able to do on a Saturday and Sunday and so you know balance for me is is allowing me to do things I enjoy the most optimally and yeah you know that to a lot of people doesn't look like balance it looks like obsession and it looks like borderline <laughs> craziness but you know each yeah. their own Oh, no, I, I think if anyone who's who's watching and they're say they're a competitor in the space of, of functional fitness, then I, I think they can probably relate because I think that message has been resonated through whether it's through like Katrin's videos or um, even Ben Bergeron talking about those kind of things. So there's a lot of coaches and athletes kind of preaching the same thing. And, and I think, yeah, like, like you said, and like, like I mentioned that the balance does look different to everybody. And um, if you have that one track mind, you're going for it. I think those sacrifices definitely can be worth it. And the whole journey is, is definitely worth it. Um, I yeah. saw one of your posts about your mindset on goals. I would love for you to, to expand because I liked your answer about the problem with goals. I, I can't even remember that post now. What, can you remind <laughs> me what the post was? I can kind yeah. of half remember the, the, the thing. <laughs> It was about the problem with goals. And then it was really focusing on when the process. Arrive, right? Yeah. When you, yeah. When you arrive at the goal, it, it's a massive letdown. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. One of the mantras that we have here at Coastal Fitness is trust the process. And I know we definitely didn't coin that. And I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that we made that up. But, <laughs> you know, the process is, is really all about. It, it's, I think it's really important to first and foremost, like state that you have a goal, that there is a vision, that there is an end, something that you're striving towards achieving. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we talk about outcome, outcome bias goals versus process bias goals. And that, you know, it's important to have that outcome, that thing you're striving towards, but at the end of the day, it's the daily actions and the tasks that you do that make you allow you to arrive at that goal. And a lot of times when people are too outcome focused and they're just looking at this end goal and that's everything they're doing in their daily lives, they're not being present in, but they're just thinking like, I have to do this because that is what I want to achieve is that eventually when, and if you do arrive at that goal, 
you realize that it hasn't been an enjoyable process. You've sacrificed a lot of things and you haven't enjoyed the ride, which I think is really what it's all about. So I think process related goals is where, you know, you're creating and there's a planning process that has to go in here, but the actionable steps that you have to do on a daily basis, that's going to allow you to then arrive at your goal. And in that process, you have to find enjoyment. Right. Because if you're not having enjoyment in the process that's getting you to think, then you're just probably not going to ever arrive at that goal. And I think what starts to happen is that the pursuit of the goal when you have a process becomes an enjoyable pursuit. And, it, and it's the pursuit that actually is more enjoyable than attaining that final goal at the end of the day. Because you're having wins every single day versus struggle every single day. And then suddenly there's this miraculous, like, I've arrived. And I think if that's the mindset people take and the approach to goal setting, where it's a struggle, a struggle, a struggle, the day that they do arrive, they're often like, that just wasn't worth it. Right. I don't know why I created all that commitment to do it and all that sacrifice because when I arrived, it actually wasn't always great as it was. Whereas if you have that process, like every day is, is great. Yeah, that, that really resonated with me because when I was snowboarding, you know, my whole goal was to make the Olympics. And then there's all these awesome other events. And, you know, actually, when I started snowboarding, my, my uh, discipline of snowboarding wasn't even in the Olympics yet. And so it was interesting how it became this, like, really single-track goal of, like, I want to make the Olympics. And then all of a sudden, when I didn't make it and I went through this whole identity crisis, I was like, why was I, you know, resonating with just this one single goal so much when there was so much more to be enjoyed? All the different, you know, world championships and all these different events that were they, they had their own little wins like every weekend there's a new event to focus on there's different things that are happening there's different work and so you know I think some of that comes with with time and maturity and I was very young then what would you say to to athletes who you find are really just focusing on that goal even just clients of yours and how do you actually like get them to sit down and and think about the process and change that mindset you know, I think a, I think a big part of it is that people have to learn themselves, and often our greatest teachers are when we fall short, and we do arrive at this outcome-based goal that we set ourselves, and we realize and we learn that that it's not it's not what we built it up to be. And right. I think you know I think what I find more and more now is that you know for someone who's been through that experience so much, and in, in other parts of my life as well, you know you can sit down and. And, and preach and talk theory and give examples of like what they're potentially doing is not going to lead them to the result they think they're going to get. But until it actually happens, you know, your your words are falling on deaf ears. Right. And so I think, you know, it's, you know, what is my advice? It doesn't mean that we have to sit back and be silent and not help guide people because some people will of course listen and they will change their actions and, and, you know, and want to learn from the mistakes that I made. But at the end of the day, I think it's a timely conversation that when that time does arrive to be there for that person, to help them reflect and see the answers themselves, because that's always the greatest teacher. We talk about, I know it sounds cliche, but like failure is the biggest teacher. We learn from our failures more than our successes. And, you know, the way that I think life is designed is that we have to actually fail ourselves and we have to go through that process of reflection and learning to, to if we're going to develop ourselves as people. And, you know, it's why one of my biggest, my biggest mantras, and I have it up here on my wall, is to always choose courage over comfort. 
it's something that Brene Brown first talked about. When I heard it, I was like, that is exactly what I've been living my life by. But it's a, it's a succinct quote and line that I can now say and look at very quickly. It reminds me that if I'm not choosing discomfort or I'm not choosing courage, and I'm not choosing challenging things in my life, then I'm actually never going to grow and I'm never going to develop. And that's just not what I want. So like I need to put myself out there and I need to do these things and be ready and 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 accepting a failure if it does happen because I know that something good will come of it. Right. No, I, I really like that. And uh, yeah, I remember when I was going through that, I posted about like women in sport and you sent me a Brené Brown quote. And uh, so, yeah, you, you clearly like the Brené Brown uh, content. How did you, uh, did you watch her TED Talk first or did you read her book or how did you get into uh, her, her stuff? Yeah, it was... Uh... It was Dare to Lead was the first book that I read. Um, you know, I've been on this and, and it's a journey that will continue. But about five years ago, like I went on this massive journey of just self-exploration and self-development. And, and, and genuinely before that, I didn't read. Like <laughs> reading was, I, the only things I read was literature on strength and conditioning and nutrition and, and basically things related to my job as a coach. And I start, you know, I, I, I opened this book that was given to me by, uh, one of my friends who just read the book, uh, he was applying for a head teacher role. And he said he read this book and it resonated with him. And in his, in his interview to become the head teacher, he like, he quoted everything from his book and they gave him the job. Oh, wow. And so I was like, well, give us this book. Like, let's have <laughs> a read of it. Like, I'm not really into that kind of stuff. But, and I, it was one of those, one of those books you read where like every single page was speaking to me. And it was like, it was highlighting the flaws of leaders and like the consequences of the way that we act and what to do about it. And every page I was just like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And I was, I went through every page of this book and I put it down and was, you know, mind blown. And it basically sent me on this quest and this journey to like discover more, like, wow, I've realized that this one book can change how I lead and how I speak to my team and how I hold meetings. And like, I was seeing like instant, improvement and like in in everything that i think i don't know how i stumbled across renee brown but she was like one of the very early books i read that was recommended on this list and um and then yes led to a ted talk and which then inspired me to be a better public speaker because you know i i sometimes do those type of things when i'm in front of a, a crowd and an audience and i want to be better at that and like i just think she's like one of the best presenters and speakers that i've ever watched and i'm like i'm so mind blown at how she does that so then i became very interested in her presenting so I watched a lot of videos of her and then now she's got a podcast and i'm a big fan of that and so yeah that's that's my Brene brown story <laughs> no I, I love it that's awesome what would be your your three top books if you had to recommend to to anybody to read i think three if i was to you know make three recommendations for the general person who doesn't have a particular interest in one thing uh, extreme ownership was something by Jocko Willink. That was something that really resonated with me, which is all about taking responsibility for your actions first and foremost. Um, Man Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl, which is all about you know purpose and and having a why and how important that is. That's had a huge uh, influence on my personal life, but also business. Third book. I mean, the seven habits of highly effective people is, is a real classic, but I, I didn't find it the easiest book to read. 
Mm. Um, I'm actually trying to look at my bookshelf now. <laughs> I listened to that book uh, in audiobook format. Yeah, it, it, it's not the easiest to read either. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I'm trying to... Okay, so the, the initial book that like changed my life and made me start made me go on this quest of self-development was called the advantage and it's not something i've ever heard anyone oh. ever speak about no it's a I book on it. it's a book on leadership um which at the time at my time in life like that was something i was really struggling with my company had grown really fast and i had a big team of people and i wasn't i just wasn't leading them um and the ways that i'd what i thought was good leadership was so far from leadership and I was seeing it manifest itself in some really ugly ways and I knew I needed to address it. And so if there's any leaders out there, like the advantage was something that really resonated with me. Uh, and I think another one probably is the culture code, which is all about building teams. Uh, and to come, to come from someone who came from a team sport, I had an interest in that anyway. But, you know, as my, as my organizations grew, it became something I needed to also try to understand a bit better. So. I mean, too many. There's just too many, too many books to <laughs> to recommend. And I think each each book, for me, has like a very significant. Uh, it's attached to a very significant memory for me because it was like something I was probably struggling with at that point in time, and that right. suddenly that book. You know, you know, sometimes you reread a book, and suddenly it speaks to you in a completely different way than it did the first time because of what's happening in life. So, oh, obstacles away. Another amazing one. Yeah. That's a great yeah, big one. fan of that. I think you get the principle of the concept quite quickly, but I really do enjoy, you know, I do completely resonate with that, with that way, with the mindset that they, they promote in that book. Yeah, no, I really like that one. And Man's Search for Meaning, I find is like super relevant for people during the whole time of COVID. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyone who's tuning in, I want to remind you guys, if you want to submit some fitness related questions, uh, we will try to get to them for sure. Uh, talking about COVID, we got a, I got a question earlier in this week and someone was asking, how are you dealing in your business with this time of COVID and even just personally, some of the, maybe the, the pros and the cons of what's come out of this time? <clears throat> oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, I actually went, as COVID was happening, I was, uh, I actually shared a few posts and I, I called them the future. And it was basically reflections of what I thought us as humans and, and the fitness industry was going to come, the, the things that would change as a result of COVID happening. Quite honestly, like I'm learning something new every single day. And I would say like, I haven't had this much growth as a person, uh, as a business and as a leader as I have in this last three months. I've had more difficult conversations with with friends, with family, with employees than I ever have before. And I think that really comes down to, you know, that life is too short and, you know, you've got to have the uncomfortable conversations sooner rather than later. And you have to surround yourself with people who bring value to your life. And I think COVID in, in, its, in different ways made me realize just how important that was. And so I made changes to the, the personnel in my organization. I made a big change. I made changes to the, the people in my life in terms of friendships, not necessarily changes, but had some hard conversations that had been bubbling under the surface that just hadn't addressed. Uh, and, you know, as a result, the friendships came out in a much, much better place. Um, had some challenging conversations with my parents and my family as to, you know, 
things I didn't think that they were upholding to. And we had a really great conversation there. So, you know, I think relationships is, is one massive thing. I mean, when it comes to business, so many things, something that uh, one story that I can share, because like this, this is going to stay with me for the rest of my life was that, you know, I've, I've owned a business now, Coastal Fitness for 11 years. And every mentor I've ever worked with, every business coach, every book I've read, talks about the importance of having a mission and having values. And I've been probably on a, a six-year quest now to try and find, like, okay, and, and to write it down succinctly, like, what is our mission and what are the values that we live by? I've taken a hundred different approaches to doing it. I brought my team into it and we brainstormed together. I've hired uh, like a consultant to help me design it and build it. I've sat down with individuals to try and like evolve the initial thoughts that we had. And like, you know, it's sat on this, on this document, on this Google doc on my computer and it's been sitting there idle and continue every now and then gets updated. But in COVID and during what, during our business close closure, where like I really learned a lot about what is our purpose? What is our mission? Like we're here to help people. And I really saw as well within my team who was here for the right reasons, who was here right. because they wanted to make a quick bucket and earn money, who was here because they wanted to boost an Instagram profile and who is here because they actually want to help people. And at this point in time, the world needs us as fitness professionals more than they probably ever have done before. And I thought it was a really amazing, unique opportunity for us as coaches and the fitness community to really rise to that challenge. And in that process of seeing the not so fantastic side of people, but also seeing the amazing side of other people, the mission of our business and the values at which we achieve that mission became crystal clear. It was almost like, you know, waking up one day to be like, this is it. This is our purpose. This is our mission. Write it down. And these are the six ways that we're going to go about achieving that mission every single day. And all of those values were a culmination of lessons I'd learned over the last 32 years of existence. They were lessons that I'd learned from all the books that I'd read and like the mistakes that I'd seen happen over in 2020 with people showing their, you know, rearing their ugly heads. And suddenly like I had this just utter moment of clarity. And as soon as I communicated that mission and those values to the team, which we now call the coastal six, it's six values that, that we all buy into as a team, but it really had to come from me at the end of the day, just writing it down and saying, this is it. I can't include you guys in this process anymore because at the <laughs> end of the day, like I, I need to make the decision and I made the decision. And as soon as I put those values out, it made running a business a hundred times easier. And I know okay. this because theoretically, you know that when you have values, you make business decisions based on values, right? We're all like, yeah, yeah, we know that. But until you have those values that you really, really, really believe in, like it's a really hard task to do. And so when you yeah. say like hire and fire based on values, make corporate decisions based on values, if you don't really know what those values are. And I'm going to sit here and say, it's taken me you know, 11 years of running a business to finally know what my values are, 32 years of existence to finally know what my values are. And those values are probably going to change again and again, and they're going to constantly evolve. So the biggest thing that I've taken away as a business owner and as a person is like, I now have values and I have these six things written down on my wall. There's a huge like wall mounted piece that's in my going up in my office that like reminds us as a team, what those are. There's like the values are going to be 
painted on the walls of our facility that like all our community and our members are going to walk in and see and it's going to be a reminder to like what we're about and so you know that was just that's just a personal story for me as to like what have I taken away from these COVID times but like I just got more clarity now as a person and as a business owner than I've ever have done before and it happened you know we talked about it at the start you know what do you say to people who are struggling it's like you just need to you just need to mess up you just need to have like tough times with with the unknown line ahead of you to actually learn and realize and i think like covid has been such an amazing teacher for me as to like what i want to do at the same time i will say that covid for some people is going to be a really nasty time and people have got a lot more time to themselves and a lot more time to their thoughts. And, and people who came into COVID perhaps in, in not such a positive space are going to come out of it perhaps in potentially much worse space. And that's just, yeah, that's just the nature of, of, of what life is for some people, unfortunately. So, you know, like in terms of fitness industry, I mean, we could be here for hours in terms of, <laughs> you know, talking about how the fitness industry is going to change. But I really, really do think that it's for the better as a whole. I think like, I think people are going to be craving human interaction more again. I think people have a new invested interest in how important like health is. Um, I think you're going to really see people who are doing a good job within health and fitness continue to rise and grow. And I think there's going to be a culling of the people who haven't been doing a great job with fitness. They're probably going to, unfortunately, because of the tough economic situation are going to be forced out of the industry, but that's only right. going to be a good thing for, you know, an improvement in the way that we deliver health, fitness and wellness. Um, I think there's going to be a huge new rise of like the, the gymless community. What I mean by that is like people investing in training by themselves at home. They've realized that they don't need to invest thousands of dollars in gym memberships just to look after themselves and, and build a strong, healthy body, um, which is going to open up a whole new market to fitness. People who want guidance, who want accountability, uh, but they can do it, you know, on their own accord in the luxury of their own homes. And just, oh God, there's just so many, so many potential ramifications, but I really, really do think that like, there's just so much good that's going to come out of, come out of this time. Yeah. Wow. I like that. And most people that I've talked to are, yeah, they're sharing the same similar mindset, but like you said, unfortunately, just like in life, some people have the opposite side and they're using this time, you know, to complain and share articles about why is everything closed all the time. And yeah, I think that, I think some of it comes down to, like you said, you've been on a personal journey for so many years. I don't know if, if you find that this has contributed, but working on your mindset before this has like really helped that like now that we're in this time of like crazy changes it's it's just like wow I adapted and changed so quickly to that like I think if we all had predicted those that are doing well during this time had predicted what if like in 2020 there was this pandemic and like our businesses shut down this this happened we would probably predict that we wouldn't be doing so well yet you know here mm. we are taking the opportunities from it yeah, for sure. You know, I think, I think mindset, positive mindset is so important. You know, like this is where I refer back to obstacles away, uh, which is like, you know, every challenge that we're confronted with is an opportunity for growth and improvement. And, you know, I think some people are just able to come to that realization that, okay, this is a positive, this is something where I can actually develop myself and the things that I do to be a positive on both myself and the world. You know, some people just have that ability to just to flick a switch very, very quickly. For some people, it's just a longer, slower process. But I think certainly for me, as, as soon as it started all arriving, I was able to kind of have 
more of a distant view on it all and potentially you know what could what could come of come of these times and how is that going to be better for all of us doesn't mean that you should be naive to the potential negatives to it it's it's really important to be realistic and understand that you know it isn't just all sunshine and rainbows but you know you have the ability to yeah to induce positive change right and are are there any things that you do every day to keep continuously working on your mindset like do you meditate what are what are some top things that you might do yeah um I do. I, I talk about it a lot, like controlling the bookends of your day, um, which is so for me, like morning and nighttime rituals are, are super important to me. You know, the moment you step out your house, the moment you answer your telephone or you look at your telephone, like you're opening up a tent potential for a can of worms to go exploding. And and often you just can't, you can't control it. Unfortunately, it's just the way that the way that society and the world has been designed this day and age, like information is so accessible and like you sometimes don't have control over what you see. So for me, the morning time is, you know, it's exactly the same every day. I wake up, I have a cold shower. I come out of the shower. I do a joint movement routine where I basically like do joint rotations to every single joint in my body. Um, and then I do a two minute meditation where I also track my HRV. So it's kind of like I, I get two things. My HRV is telling me like, the level of stress of the day and how ready I am to attack the day but it also forces me to sit there and just breathe uh, and then I go through the process of making breakfast uh, and I pretty much have the same thing every single morning so <laughs> that is like a 10 minute routine that I can pretty much do with my eyes closed but at the same time I, I turn on either a podcast or an audiobook so I get some learning in to start my day I haven't checked emails I haven't checked Instagram haven't checked whatsapp haven't really been active on my phone other than just turning on something i could learn and absorb and so through the breakfast time i still have i still don't check my phone until i finish my last bite of my breakfast and that's when i open up the emails that's when i check um instagram that's when i check my whatsapp and i prepare myself for the day but i, I know that once that starts like i've i've done some i've some quality work for my day already Right. And then, you know, you know, then you just go about your day and you, you roll the punches and, and you adapt and you overcome. I always commit to getting, I post about it a lot on my social media, but 20 minutes a day is something I do all the time to like escape work. If it's sun, if it's sunny, that's a huge bonus. And I get some sunshine, a vitamin D through my skin and through my eyes, but I always get, get outside my gym and try to get into nature. We're really lucky that we live, sorry, the gym is located, you know, a 10 minute walk away from the sea. Uh, and I'm like a massive fan of the ocean. So I'll just typically just walk out and just sit and just like watch the boats go by. As soon as 20 minutes is gone, if I have a bit more time, I might extend that a little bit longer, but then, you know, get back to work and, and get on with it. And if I can tie in my lunch and just some like just easy uh, clearing of my head in that time as well, like that just sets me up for a way better afternoon. And then, you know, I get home and, and really it's my policy is uh, lights out in terms of all electrics off by 8.30. That means I have to stop work. That means I have to get off my phone. And then it's, if, I, if I have the energy and the mental capacity for it, I play guitar, which I just started about a year and a half ago. Um, and then, you know, as soon as nine o'clock hits, usually before, it's everything off. All my lights are off. And I just either sit and stretch in a dark room um, or I lie on this like uh, one of those spiky mat things i don't know what oh, they're called yeah. the chakra mat i think it is yeah or acupressure yeah yeah those know. things that post all over instagram anyway yeah i got suckered into buying one of those guys 
but you know it's fantastic because what i really like about it is that it forces you to sit uh forces you to lie still because if you move around that thing it fucking hurts <laughs> yeah and it's oh. unendurable. so you literally have to lie like deadpan no movement 10 minutes and that just like is my final switch off for my day and then it's you know to my bedroom read a book and go to bed so you know that is my that those are my routines that that like without fail don't i don't negotiate on it's a morning routine it's 20 minutes of getting out and away from work and just being to myself every single day regardless if it's raining or or sunny and then you know a nighttime routine to help me unwind from the day awesome a beautiful minds asked uh what is hrv someone answered um and then the beautiful minds also asked about if you do cold showers or any I, i'll add on to this question if you do any cold baths or anything like that after training other than just like in the morning uh i don't if i had access to one i would definitely incorporate ice baths into probably a weekly ritual um but for me it's always it's always a cold shower in the morning purely from a sympathetic nervous system state like I'm a bit groggy, like we all are in the morning anyway. And as soon as I have a hit, a hit of cold water, and it has to be cold enough where it induces like the the gasp mm. response. That is really like the science has proven to show that that is what really like releases the hormonal response that we need to kind of like wake ourselves up. So it's, I finished that every time. And at nighttime, you know, there's a lot of science that says, you know, cold showers at night can actually help induce deep sleep. But for me, it's just, I don't, I don't want to have a cold shower before I go to bed. I want to have a hot, relaxing shower. Um, after like hard bouts of exercise, if I do have the opportunity to get in an ice bath, I'll 100% do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I miss the most. When I was on the national team, we had like the hydrotherapy. Oh, it was the best. Every day we would just like go and we'd do the cold tub and we do transitions. And yeah, now I really want to, really want a, a cold tub, but I don't have anything to do it other than like a bathtub. But the... So it just takes so much work to set it up like the whole process yeah, I mean, of it for like 10 minutes is i just don't have i you know in hong kong we don't have space we, we live in tiny right. little apartments but so we don't, i don't have a bathtub i'd love to but i even looked into buying like pvc pipes that has like a plastic tub that you sit in but it would literally take up my whole bathroom so i kind of decided <laughs> against it um i loved i've been thinking about investing in a set of normatec boots um to actually put in our gym and actually have as like a recovery suite but again we just don't have the space in our gym right now. It's just full to the brim. So um, I would love to. It was a big thing that we used to do in rugby all the time. I, I like, hated it and I didn't see the value in it until I lost it, lost the ability to do it. Now I kind of wish I had it. Yeah. So I want to ask quickly about um, about Earned Athletic. How did you get into that? Because like like you said, you, you have so much on the go. You're very one-track minded, but you have the podcast. You have Coastal Fitness. How did all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to start a clothing brand? Yeah, so it's actually one of one of my members who's been you know part of our community for three years. He works in sourcing, so you know he's he's an Irish guy, Alan, um, who kind of came over to Hong Kong with a family business. Uh, he works a lot with China, so basically works a lot with factories and producing and manufacturing products that he sends back to Ireland. He kind of came to me with the idea, which said, and and you know asked, "Hey, have you ever thought about getting into clothing?" Uh, you know, for serving specifically the athletic population. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Kind of I'm denied about it. It's not something I really have a whole amount of knowledge on. Um, like fashion doesn't really interest me all that much. Uh, and to be honest, like I just don't have the time to even think about starting another business. 
And so, you know, we then just got talking because I was interested. I think at the time, this is, this is about a year and a half ago now when we first, the idea, we had the inception of the idea. And, you know, what I really realized was that Alan had some fantastic experience and networks. Uh, he also had the ability to have a bit more time in his day. You know, he works for a family, family business remotely. He has a lot more time in his day to put towards a business. And so I guess it was more just like, well, hey, I, what I can bring is, you know, a knowledge of the fitness industry, a knowledge of what people want. And I guess, you know, I don't really have a big following, but I have more of a following than this Irish bloke who moved to Hong Kong does. You know, so I think, you know, maybe we could utilize that following somewhat, somewhat. And so, you know, we started brainstorming and, and talking about the idea and, you know, went back and forth on a name a hundred times, you know, realized eventually that Ed, whilst you think you have a big following, you don't really have a big following compared to <laughs> what the Instagram world is really at these days. So, you know, I then spoke, spoke to my brother and who is, you know, he's been to CrossFit Games, finished 27th last year. Um, someone who is a bit more, has more, much more of a presence on social media and, you know, asked him if he wanted to be involved with the company as well. Obviously he's, he's a fantastic ambassador for the brand because he embodies kind of everything that we try to stand for. And so, you know, it was like, you know, we each have our own unique skill set within the team. We have three very different people. We have someone who is kind of like the face of the brand who helps us get it out there and get it to the people. Myself, who's someone more on like the coaching coaching business side, but also has a real passion for the industry. And then you have the guy who kind of like makes it all happen. Hmm. He's the guy who sources the products, who's like putting the set, getting the sample sent to us. He understands like about fulfillment centers and how to process orders. And so it's kind of together, we make a good team. Uh, you know, if it was me organizing the business by myself, I mean, no way. And it's been a really interesting journey for me just to learn about something new that I have really no experience in or really no knowledge on. So I've actually really enjoyed the process of, of learning about the garment and apparel industry and, and how it all works. Nice. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I think that, yeah, the team really seems to make sense. What do you say? Ed's fashion shins. <laughs> they say you've done all right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Torrin. I haven't seen you in a while, Toz. <laughs> yeah. um, so what, what are some of your future plans with your business? We have about eight minutes left in this, in this live. So um, yeah, like I, someone asked, what are your future plans with business, with, with your personal goals? And I know you mentioned that you have some really big goals with that. And I'd love to know what some of them are that you could share with us. Yeah. So uh, currently what I'm really involved with is obviously we have coastal fitness, which is like our, our, our strength conditioning facility here in Hong Kong. Uh, but we've also launched another company called the process programming the process programming is basically like our online platform for where we deliver our online coaching. And so on the process programming, we have a, a bunch of different programs we have a live program a perform program a compete program and during the COVID times we created a free program called the gymnast program which is basically you know seven days a week of training in a structured progressive manner that anyone can be a part of uh, we have some really we work with some really cool companies to kind of deliver all of this it has like athlete tracking um, leaderboards forums and discussions so you know we're putting a lot of emphasis now to kind of growing that community uh, just because you know we've realized that well coastal fitness you know, we're at capacity. We really can't get any more people into the gym. And I'd love to have more space, but space in Hong Kong is extremely expensive. Uh, so expansion there is, is a little bit hard. Um, so, you know, we've realized that we have this really unique platform now with the process program that we've created to really impact lives and really like, you know, the mission is all about impacting lives. And so, you know, we've, we've 
our next focus with the process programming now is to continue to offer you know training programs to the world catering to different folks with different goals and different abilities uh, we're not someone who just prescri prescribes you know one program and scale appropriately it's we want you to have a specific set of goals and we want the program to cater to that uh, but what we also want to do which is kind of our next focus now is to provide more on the health and wellness side uh, which is going to start to you know, provide education and accountability to people on nutrition, um, stress management, sleep, uh, you know, all the other things, you know, which is what I originally started the podcast for, which is to try and give more to people rather than just looking after the training piece. And training is really, really important, but it's not the most important when it comes to impacting lives. And, you know, that's something we really realize is that I think we've done a great job you know with the training side of things but like we have to step up our game and you know the more and more i see people in like committing everything to their training session but just knowing that they're falling short in all the other areas of their life is starting to kind of break my heart a little bit so however we can have an impact on helping those people you know obviously understanding as well that people don't have unlimited fi uh, financial resources to invest in one-on-one -on -one coaches and have their own nutritionists and have their own therapists. So <laughs> what can we provide to people to kind of give them the basic level of education and knowledge so that they can positively start guiding themselves. So that's a big focus for us now with the process programming. The podcast will just continue to be a vehicle or a means of just sharing education and, and having human conversations just like we are right now, sharing the stories and successes of, of people from around the world and, and really connecting the fitness community. And is, you know, again, it's, 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 a, it's a process of learning, uh, but we really want to grow. We're calling it our army, the earned army. And I think what, we've, what we have with earned is, you know, we have like a, 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 as a result of, of 10 years of running a business within coastal fitness like we have a really clear mission we have some really clear goals we have some values that we stand for so the people that we bring into that brand as ambassadors you know as anything are people who we think really resonate with what our values are and that is people who are putting themselves out there people who are helping impact the lives of other people. And it's not about Instagram following and it's not about popularity. Those kind of things aren't important to us. Uh, and I just, you know, it's just growing that brand organically. And I really, I, I don't know where that's, I don't know where that's going to lead. Uh, and I think, you know, people always ask you like, what's your five-year goal? What's your, what's your 10-year plan? And I find it a really, really hard question to answer. And I've never really been wired to art to kind of have that much foresight in my life. What I do know we talked about at the start process versus outcome is that, you know, I want to be the best at everything I do. And that means like, I have to put full effort into what I'm doing today. And I know that that's going to lead me to an outcome that I want to be happy with. And so really that's, you know, that's, I guess a big approach that I take with everything I do, just put everything into what I'm doing now and, and, and believe that it will lead to success somewhere. And I, and, you know, I really need other people, you know, like you or like my business partners or, like my members that keep on asking me like, well, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? Cause I need to think about that stuff as well. Sometimes, you know, right. sometimes you realize that when you're so swamped in the here and now you get caught up and not actually moving things forward. And sometimes like I need those people to hold me accountable to say, Hey, putting all this work buddy, but you're not actually progressing anywhere. Like what's next. Um, so yeah, I always find those questions really hard to answer, you know, what, what are your plans going forward? But I do really know that we're on a really great trajectory right, right now. I'm really fired up to be doing everything I'm doing. Um, so as a coach, like, I just want to continue to have impact on people's lives. Uh, I really enjoy working with high level athletes because I enjoy the challenge that comes with that. But I also really enjoy just, you know, 
being able to impact the general person's life to be able to live, perform, compete. Awesome. No, that's great. I love it. Okay, so I have one final question that I've been asking everybody on these lives. And uh, it's if you could if if you could describe your legacy in one word that that you want your legacy to be, what would that word be? Impact. I like it. You know what Lucas Impact. Parker said? He said cool. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, some people think about it totally differently. I was like, all right, Lucas, I like it. Yeah, that's actually it. I mean, that, uh, that again is a, uh, a really hard question to answer. It just that's something that again has come to me in this year, you know, through the hard times and the struggles of business and, and everything. And as, you know, as individuals that like, I've really, 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 really realized and really fully believe that like impact is exactly what I want to have. And I mean, yeah. when I say impact, I want to positively impact people's lives um, in some way, some way, shape or form. No, I like it. I, I feel the same. Um, so thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know you have your nightly routines that are probably going to be starting soon. Um, yes. And Instagram will time us out anyways. But no, I, I've been following you for some time. I know we, we briefly met at Asia CrossFit Championships last year. Um, and, and so, yeah, just seeing that your mindset and different things, I was like, oh, I want to talk to Ed because I think he shares a very similar mindset. And especially during this time, I think the more mindset chats that people can have, especially for those that might be struggling or those who aren't and, and just need the reassurance, I think these chats are, are helpful. Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on in Asi. I mean, just likewise, it's been amazing to watch your journey uh, and to see the impact that you're having with people. So, and these chats are fantastic, such a great way to, to bring awareness to, to the people who follow you. So yeah, keep it up. Great job. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your night and uh, my day is just beginning, but thank you again. Thanks, Natalie. All right, bye. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Natalie Allport, and check out my website, www.natalieallport.com. Thank you for tuning in.